Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. DJ everyone and welcome back to my podcast. This week I am super excited to have Stephanie, the founder of The Festival Squad, on my show today. She was lucky enough to attend Ubby Dubby, which was in Texas and it was the first festival back since COVID started and it's so exciting. I am so thrilled. Things are finally starting to open and become normal again. (laughs) It's been a long, long year. Oh, how I've missed raving and shows. The drive-ins were great, but it's just not the same. So today, I sit down with Stephanie to discuss the first festival back. I hope you enjoy. So my name is Stephanie Rosa. Uh, and let's see, I founded Festival Squad about six years ago, uh, after I had been working in medical device sales and just really grinding and just feeling really, you know, unhappy and and not really like I was following my passion. Um, it was a great industry to work with. So I don't want to say that, that it wasn't, but it was really just, it wasn't my calling and I wasn't feeling like super fulfilled. And I went through this really weird period of just you know, being depressed and not really understanding like what I should do with my life and my career and my background. Um, And so I took off for a year and I traveled the world by myself. I backpacked and along the way I was going to all these different music festivals abroad, like in Serbia and in Spain and uh, in Germany. And my friend was like, you know, you should really start a blog. And it started uh, call, it was called Sights and Sounds with Steph. Mm-hmm. And Sights was, you know, going to these different cities and Sounds was when I was going to these different festivals and I'm Steph. So I was like, oh, this will be fun. A little travel blog, just something to kind of keep, you know, keep my mind occupied with different things and kind of having a task. And I noticed in that year that a lot of folks were um, reading more about my festival experiences than they were reading about my travels. So when I came back, I went to my first Burning Man and after Burning Man, I was like, you know what? Uh, This is it. Like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to start a blog and it's going to be about festivals. And just like you, I started focusing on festival reviews and just talking about like high level statistics. What's the capacity? What's the vibe? What's the um, music like? And it started picking up and we started adding people to the team Um, and Festival Squad was really born from like a squad of people going to (laughs) festivals. Um, and yeah, it just kept taking off and people were just really liking what we were, were writing about, which was sometimes it was stories about people getting married at festivals. And, um, sometimes it was about music and it just started to like take all kinds of different forms. Um, and then a few years into that, I launched a marketing company with my business partner, Amanda, where we focused on festival brands and helping event organizers manage their influencers um, and social media campaigns. I was then brought on to Fest Ticket, uh, which is a music festival ticketing company to lead the expansion of their business in the US. 
And then most recently, I've pivoted over to Event Hub, where I help out with events, helping uh, manage their sponsors and vendors on a software platform. So kind of do a lot of everything. Yeah. A lot of marketing projects usually. Um, So it's been great. I love it. This is the space I was supposed to be in. That's awesome. Uh, So how long have you been in like the EDM scene? Oh, gosh. Okay. So in terms of a, from a professional standpoint, uh, the last six years, uh, from a fan standpoint, my first camping festival was Bonnaroo 2007, and I was already pretty deep into uh, electronic music then. So it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, you've definitely been in the scene for a while, and it's cool that now you work like behind the scenes. Yep, exactly. That's awesome. So to start about Ubi Doobie, <laughs> were you scared to go at all or what were your first thoughts of this festival taking place so soon well I don't know about so soon but like what were your thoughts about this festival continuing as planned yeah for sure so I I realize that this is a really controversial topic you know I and I do and I don't want to discredit anyone or or be insensitive to anybody um that's listening to this podcast because I think that it's been a really tough year for the entire community at large, both the fans, the, you know, as well as anybody that, that works in the space, including the artists, it's been tough. (laughs) Um, and it's been hard to not be around friends. It's been hard for some of these folks not to work. And it's also been hard because I know that there has been a lot of people that have died, um, as a result of the virus. So, you know, it's been over a year and every state's kind of been tackling this pandemic differently. Um, and in the state of Texas definitely has been a little bit more, um, a little bit more hands-off than some of the other states, um, definitely, which I don't think that there's a necessarily a right or a wrong answer because I think that these government officials are making the calls as they feel that are appropriate. Mm -hmm. But as far as the festival is concerned, you know, when I heard about it moving forward, my, my first instinct, uh, honestly was to support it. And you know, being in the, in the industry for so long, like being here for the last six years and working really closely with people, I have seen my feeds on social media flooded with people, um, not having enough money to pay their bills, to pay their rent, um, not being able to work. And it's just been really tough to see that really disheartening. So seeing Donnie make the call that he was going to push forward, I was like, yes, we needed somebody. And I think it's also very difficult to say when would be the right time. You know, will will we ever hit 100% of vaccinated folks? Will we ever feel 100% safe in the next five years? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, and I do think like somebody had to make the call, like I'm gonna do it. Government gave approval, he moved forward. So for me, I felt comfortable going. Um, just because I was like, you know what? I feel good about this. I want to support the industry that I love so much. Um, and yeah, I hope that answers the question. It was a pretty long winded answer. Yeah, no, that was a great answer. Um, so I heard about, it was kind of like a nightmare getting there and like getting in and there was like COVID sniffing dogs. I had no idea. I had no idea that was a thing. (laughs) Me neither. Uh, I didn't know until I arrived on site. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely new. It's pretty crazy that they were able to do that within like a year. 
Um, so yeah. So how was it getting through? Was it, were they like having the dogs sniff everyone or what was that like? Yeah. Good question. So I will preface this and say, I did just go for a day. I went Sunday only. Um, cause it was just kind of a last minute call. Uh, I knew a lot of folks that were working on site, so I definitely wanted to reconnect with them. It's just, you know, it's all, it's just like in any business, it's really good to network. Um, mm-hmm. and it's also good to show support when you can. And if you're feeling comfortable with that. So that's kind of what the main driver was for me to go. Um, and, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to arrive and enter through a staff entrance, Um, So I can't really speak to some of the lines and things that I did read about online, but I will tell you that even through the staff entrance, um, as soon as I got there, the first thing that we had to do was step out of the car. We had to remove anything from our left wrist, which I had a bunch of bracelets on. So I took off, took them off. And then they brought a dog out of the car that sniffed our our left wrists. Um, Hmm. And apparently what that was doing was allowing the dog to detect whether or not Um, we had COVID. So what people don't know, and I was actually doing some research on this, what people don't know is that uh, dogs can actually sniff out a variety of different, uh, a a variety of different things on a person, including, but not limited to things like diabetes, um, which is why there are service animals that are trained in case anybody goes through any kind of shock or anything like that, that's a diabetic. Mm -hmm. Um, So similarly, they were able to train the dog to sniff out whether or not someone was presenting with COVID. So we, we were, we did not, we passed the test. Um, So we didn't get uh, we didn't have any issues, but from what I've read online with the festival, if somebody did, if the dog did detect COVID on a person, the person at that point had two options. They could either get a refund or take a rapid test. Um, if they chose a refund, they could take a refund and then leave. If they chose the rapid test, if they presented with a negative test, they were able to get back into the festival. And then if they presented a positive test, then they were given a refund and they were, um, told to leave. So I think that, you know, Donnie's team did a really good job deciding how to make that work um, and making sure that nobody was going to be left without a refund if they did, in fact, have COVID. Yeah, that's actually really great. I had, I didn't hear anything about that. That is a really good idea that they had. Because I know the whole, you know, people not getting refunds for festivals have, has been like a huge thing. And I know like with Ultra Miami, that's a whole situation. So that was nice that they gave people the option and then they had the tests readily available. So that was really great. Yeah, um, agreed. So did you feel it was well planned out for the circumstances? You know, honestly, I did. I really did. Um, like I said, you know, the one thing that I that I that I really can't speak to is any kind of line for the cars to try to get into the camping area. And I can't really speak to um, the general line because I I did not see the entryways. But as far as actually being on site, and I always move through the grounds, I always like to see how things are laid out. I think he did a really good job for sure. Um, I know that there were a lot of folks online that were, you know, making comments about the mask policy, but I do want to make a comment on that and say 
you know, number one, uh, they definitely had a lot of security there that were doing their best to enforce masks. Um, but, you know, even with a couple of hundred or even a thousand security guards, managing a crowd of that of that size and trying to enforce masks is going to be really difficult. So I do think yeah. that they did the best they could. The other piece to this too is that the state of Texas lifted their mask, their public uh, mask mandate mm. um, on March 10th. So technically, the festival was trying to enforce something above the state. Um, and I think that's, that's a piece that a lot of folks were missing, too, is like technically nobody was breaking the law. Um, they, and like I said, they were doing their best. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like layout and organization and timeliness, um, I thought that it was really well run for sure. And yeah, just big, big hats off to that entire team for making that happen in just less than 12 weeks. That's awesome. And um, were there like water stations, food areas? Was that all that stuff like like normal, like normal festivals, like pre-COVID? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got it. So um, yeah, I remember I at one point I walked by Spicy Pie, which is like, you know, a staple in the music festival community. I'm like, wow, I haven't seen a Spicy Pie stand in a long time. Um, but they did. They had a bunch of different food vendors. They had some um they had uh some uh clothing vendors and things like that water stations bathrooms um all that good stuff and then they did have a lot of space in the middle of the festival too to kind of move around mm -hmm. um some art installs so it really did feel like a normal festival which was just crazy and you know i I got into this space looking for, you know, my passion and I've always, everything I've done in my career has always really been to service um, the festival goer, you know, the mm -hmm. black sheep of the family, the person that never felt like they fit in. I think they fit in at music festivals. So seeing everybody with these massive smiles on their faces and just like with their friend, like it was just so emotional for me yeah. um, to see that again. Would you say, or did you notice if like the vibe was like, were they, were people more rowdy um, or were people just like thrilled to be there to where they weren't like going to risk like it shutting down? Like were people just like, I don't know if I phrased that right, but yeah. Like yeah. what, what did you notice about like the people there? Did they seem more like rowdy because you know we've been cooped up for so long and like this is the first thing <laughs> to happen yeah I think that's a really good question um I no, I would say no and I would say one thing that our industry did really well uh in the last year or so has been pivoting and figuring out ways to still try and keep music alive as best as they can mm -hmm. um so you know we've seen a ton of drive-in shows take place around the country we've seen pod shows we've seen these vertical shows where folks are enjoying the music from their balconies mm -hmm. um so i think that for anybody that attended some of those they had that sense of relief, release and relief um, and kind of probably got rowdy during that. But I would say, you know, moving around that the festival at Ubby Dubby, I would say I felt like everybody was just ecstatic. Like they were just ecstatic. They weren't taking it too far. Um, I didn't see anyone look like they were, you know, in trouble or at risk of, you know, hurting themselves or anything mm -hmm. like that. You know, and sometimes you see people taking you know, the party a little bit too far. 
I didn't see that and maybe other people did. So I don't want to say that it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like everybody just was having a really good time and respecting each other. Um, and just thankful, you know, really thankful and really grateful. Awesome. Yeah. I know I went to a couple drive-ins and my experience at the drive-ins was that everyone was just so, yeah, like you said, thankful and grateful to have something, just something. Yeah. So were were there any significant differences between this one versus like a pre-COVID show? Um, you know, I would definitely say, I mean, while I, I totally understand and can't argue that not every single person in that crowd were wearing masks. You definitely did see them. Um, and that's something that's not typical. Um, all of the staff, all of the staff, I don't think I saw one staff member uh, without a mask at, at the show. So I would say that was, that was huge. Like you could tell that um, the Disco Donnie Presents team was very serious about making mm-hmm. sure that their staff was fully masked. So, uh, so that, and then um, I would say also there was a lot more space. So I believe that the way that it was set up, it was at like 50% capacity of what it would have normally been mm-hmm. on site. So you could you had a lot more space um, to move around or separate yourself for sure. Mm-hmm. There were plenty of space. On the, there's plenty of space on the sides. There was plenty of space in the back. So if you were somebody that didn't feel comfortable being in a crowd, you certainly did not have to be. Um, you could have made the choice to kind of step back and there was plenty of space to do it and still, you know, feel like you could see the show and be a part of it. Oh, that's awesome. That's actually kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That I mean, that's a big thing because normally, you know, when you're in a crowd uh, at a music festival, you are like armed to arm, sweat <laughs> yeah. on from someone else. So, yeah. yeah. Um. So do you think any of, like, the COVID rules, like, impacted the experience? I mean, I know, like, you said they were enforcing the mask mandate, or they were trying to have people wear masks, but, you know, not everyone was. But did you feel like any of the specific, like, COVID rules were, like, impacting the experience at all? You know, I don't think so. Um, and like I said, you know, the, the one thing that's difficult is that I was only on site for the one day instead of mm-hmm. the two. Um, but you know, I didn't think so. I think everyone had a really good time, um, on site. And like I said, there was plenty of space. All of the staff was completely masked. So I feel like it was just really well run. And I feel like, uh, that team did a really solid job making sure that, uh, they could do everything that, that they possibly could, um, to make people feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly knowing Disco Donnie's team and whatnot, you know, for anyone that, you know, wanted uh, a refund. I'm sure that there was a way to communicate that um, with their team, but just making sure that the refunds were available for anyone that was testing negative, you know, or with the COVID sniffing dogs. Like I felt like that was the right route to go for sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, do you think anything could have been different or like improved on? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I mean, to be honest, like not really. And, and, and I mean, from my perspective, I think from what I've read online, I think folks probably would have said that there should have been some changes with like 
the parking mm-hmm. situation. I know that there was something going on with parking and it taking a really long time to get into the lots and some miscommunication there. Um, so I think certainly that based on what I've seen. And then as far as like the campgrounds are concerned, I think that there were also some issues getting in there. Um, so it sounded to me like it was just logistics. And yeah. I do know that UBW did switch locations to this one versus in the previous year they've been, or previous year or years, they'd been in another location. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, whenever you're throwing a really large event like this and you're switching locations, Sometimes it's hard to know exactly what's going to go right and go wrong. Yeah. Um, but you learn from it and you make adjustments really quickly. And I and I did see online that uh, Disco Donnie was making a lot of tweets, like with updates and changes to make sure that he was improving from day one to day two. Yeah, that was kind of like Ultra 2019, where like the first day with all the shuttles was like yes, a nightmare. I remember that. But they were really quick to fix it. Like the second day was totally fine like they figured it out quick which was nice so that's yeah. nice to hear that um Ubby Dubby and Disco Donnie they were able to figure it out which is always yeah. nice because it's like you know they care and like you know like that's their priorities to fix the problem right exactly and they just you know I think they wanted to just provide a really good experience yeah. and yeah as long as you're able to pivot really quickly from some of this stuff like that's the route to go you know you mm-hmm. you hear the problems and you you find the solutions yeah that's great so how were the artists I know you said you went on Sunday so who was your favorite oh my god <laughs> you're gonna ask me that question <laughs> yes <laughs> oh wow oh wow this is tough this is so tough. Um, I will say that for the majority of the festival, I was, I'm a huge bass head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I planted myself at that Wakan takeover stage oh, nice. with the biggest smile on my face. I mean, just so happy. Um, but I will say, and I know that, that like this, you know, this is probably an answer that a lot of folks would give, but um, Elenium closing out that show was just incredible. I mean, he played an, a great set that was a mix between, you know, his kind of softer, more melodic, poppier kind of sound mm-hmm. and then the harder stuff. And I think it was just really emotional to see all of that come together. There was fireworks at the end. He was thanking everybody and so happy. And Disco Donnie made the speech right after that um, about being back and being the first festival back and um, just saying how hard it was for him to make the decision to push forward, knowing what was going on in the space. Mm-hmm. And I think that just tied it all in with the set for me that just made me absolutely just love it um but aside from that who i know elenium is the headliner uh i absolutely loved mersive and ls dream those are fantastic talented artists um and i just had a blast watching them perform oh that's awesome i love ls dream he's amazing (laughs) i saw him at i saw him at ultra i think it was 2019 yeah 2019 he was great love it um, yeah just it's fun and, and like the um the visuals and stuff mm-hmm. like it's such a cool show oh that's so awesome so what were your first like thoughts going into the festival were you just like so thrilled to be there like how did you feel like walking in oh my gosh I think my face hurt from smiling <laughs> so much 
Um, honestly, um, I was just so, so, so happy um, to just see everyone come together again. And, you know, the outfits and, you know, people like with their, with their friends and, and all of that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing that I thought was just like, wow, I can't believe I can't believe I'm here. Like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe it's been a year, um, longer than a year since I've done this. Um, you know, I normally probably go to like 10, at least 10 festivals a year, typically working on site. Mm -hmm. Um, so not really having that experience for so long was tough. And then coming on site and seeing that I was like, I can't, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Um, so yeah, just really happy and really grateful. That's so awesome. And then, um, going back to Elenium, uh, didn't he bring out slander? He did. How was that? Oh, just amazing. I mean, that's the thing I really like about this space, too, is I feel like a lot of these artists have done a really good job communicating and collaborating in the last year with Mm -hmm. each other. Um, And I think that they've made the most of it. You know, they've built relationships. They've leaned on each other. And um, just knowing that, you know, these collaborations have been happening behind the scenes and then to have no idea that Slander was going to come and then coming out um, was just great. I mean, and everyone in the crowd, obviously, is just losing it. Like, it's just one thing after another. And it was the last set that they were catching for the weekend. So it was a great way to end things. Wow. That sounds, oh my gosh, that sounds so so nice. (laughs) I'm so jealous. I saw a lot of posts about it and I was like, I kept watching like their story and I was like, oh, I wish I was there. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, like, I I think that this gave a lot of promoters more confidence um, to move forward. And one thing that Donnie said in his speech at the very end um, was he was like, you know, thank you for the artists for being brave enough to come to this festival because everybody was really worried about a lot of backlash. I mean, and, mm-hmm. I, and I get it and, and I'm not trying to discredit that at all. Um, but you know, it was really scary for him to decide to, to do this, knowing that people were going to come at him and, and really, um, say that he made the wrong call and this and that. So, you know, watch. So hearing that, hearing him thank the artist for, for being a part of it, I thought was a really big deal. And then he thanked the workers. He's like, thank you for everybody that came on site. Like you didn't have to be here, mm-hmm. you know, but you chose to be here. Um, so that just, I, I think now that Donnie is the one that really took the hit in the space, I think we're going to see a lot more promoters feeling comfortable. Like, you know what? I wasn't the first one. Somebody else did it. Somebody else took the flack for the industry. Yeah. And now I think a lot more people are going to start to to throw shows where they can. So there may be an opportunity if you feel comfortable um, being on site. Yeah. I mean, I, I, have, I have plans for September. Um, I'm doing Imagine and Lost Lands if, if all go- goes according to plan. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah, I, yeah, Disco Donnie, he really was the first one. Right. That that could not have been an easy decision to make. No. I couldn't no, even I, imagine. Yeah, I couldn't either. Just knowing that so many people, like, as soon as you made that call and as soon as you opened the gates, that there would be so many people um you know coming at you and just mm-hmm. telling you what you what you did was wrong but he did what he felt like was right and that was giving yeah. folks an opportunity to work again yeah that's great 
Oh, that all sounds so exciting. I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait until things start to come back. Me well, <laughs> too, in full swing. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I think you answered all of my questions. This was awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really had a good time chatting with you today, and I'm really looking forward to hearing this podcast. Thank you to Stephanie again so much for coming on to my podcast. I had a really great time hearing about Ubby Dubby. Be sure to check out Stephanie on Instagram. Her handle is sightsoundssteph. So give her a follow and be sure to follow me on Instagram at DJ underscore soups. Follow Believe Podcast on Instagram as well. And I will talk to you guys next week. DJ Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.